Good morning, good evening, wherever you are across the world and the universe. Welcome to Quantum Living, a mysterious dimension at the intersection of science and spirituality, where anything can happen. I'm your host, Anna Anderson. Thank you for joining me on this quantum journey as I continue lifting the veil of other dimensions and realities to make them a part of our life. As always, please take away from the show only what resonates with you and discard the rest or put it aside for later. I hope you will enjoy today's episode. Okay, let's begin. Hello and welcome to yet another fascinating episode of Quantum Living. Today's topic is really juicy. If you like this kind of stuff, <laughs> altered states of consciousness. This is a huge topic umbrella, but we'll do our best to unpack it and sort it out for you, highlighting the key points. So fasten your seatbelt and come along with us on a journey to this wonderful rabbit hole as we address the existential question, what is consciousness? and chat about the alignment of altered states of consciousness with the human brainwaves, the ayahuasca, out-of-body experience, psychic abilities and phenomena, meditation, energy healing, sleep and dreams, reincarnation, death and dying, and so much more. My special guest today is someone many of you would already know, as this is her second appearance on the show. And I'm thrilled to have an opportunity to chat with her again, as she is a fountain of knowledge and experience in the spiritual and esoteric fields. Mela Borowski is an intuitive energy healer, hypnotherapist, author, and self-proclaimed Green Hedge Witch, living in South Carolina. She is certified in hypnotherapy, life coaching, and spiritual studies, and holds an Integrative Healing Arts Practitioner Diploma from the Southwest Institute of Healing Arts. Mela is the founder of Three Rays of Light Company and an online school, Green Wild Mystical Academy, where she is head instructor. She's also the host of the wonderful witchy podcast, Bell, Book and Candle. And now Mela joins me from South Carolina. Hi, Mela. Welcome to Quantum Living. It's so great to have you again on my show. Hi, thank you so much for having me back. I'm so honored. Oh, it's so lovely. I can't wait to have this amazing conversation, which I'm sure it will be amazing. Mm -hmm. As we did a full introduction on the previous episode, where we talked about your spiritual journey, we want to do it again. And those of our listeners who haven't listened to that episode, Witchcraft and Magic, A Quantum Conversation, I encourage you to do so. That was Season 2, Episode 9. But I have just one personal question before we dive into today's topic, Mela. As we haven't talked about it, and I'm really curious, and I'm sure that our listeners would be too, you have a title of Reverend. Mm -hmm which is a religious title. Could you please explain and share with us how did you get it, in which church, what it actually means in terms of the religious hierarchy and for you personally? Do you always use it or only in certain settings? 
So could you please talk to this? Because I'm really curious. Absolutely. When I was in school, part of what I was going for was to get spiritual studies, a, a certificate in spiritual studies. And part of my project was doing what I needed to do to become ordained. Now, we were ordained through Southwest Institute of Healing Arts, but also through the United Brotherhood Movement. And so it's an actual ordination that I went through. I had to do a project, which I did in the hospice system. I was a volunteer in hospice and did everything I needed to do, including taking all the classes in order to become an actual ordained minister. Now, they didn't necessarily ask what our religion or spiritual path was. We just had to follow our, our own and we had to write up everything about what we believed and rituals and ceremonies and all the classes really were about the network of spirituality and not so much telling us what we needed to do. So we built our own spirituality, really. And we could choose what we wanted to be called. And many people chose other types of titles. But living here in South Carolina, I wanted to choose something that would allow me to go into hospitals for maybe chaplaincy and to just have I didn't want, in other words, I didn't want to have priestess or something like that, that would really make people mm. not understand because I'm very interfaith and I can talk to you about anything, any religion, any spirituality. I respect all spiritualities. And so I chose Reverend because that was what most people who are ordained choose. And I thought that it would allow me to have I guess a little bit more respect if I had that mm -hmm. in front of my name. I do put mm -hmm. that on my business cards. I put that on my website, but people don't call me necessarily Reverend mm -hmm. Nella. <laughs> so <laughs> no, I don't go by that, but in some situations. Would you like to be called Reverend, addressed Reverend Mella? No, I'm perfectly fine no? with just Mella. Yeah. Okay. So that's basically it is I, I have it as a credential really. Wonderful. But what does it mean to be ordained? The main reason I wanted to be ordained was so that I can officially do weddings and funerals and be more involved in rites of passage. That was my main goal. Uh, and so I think, especially here where I live, when someone is ordained, they also consider them to know a little bit more about spirituality and feel more comfortable talking to them. So as an ordained minister, I have the protection of being a pastor, a minister, I can do pastoral counseling and that sort of thing. So it just gives me a level of protection and allows me to work uh, within the law of doing marriages and funerals and that sort of thing. Okay, so in other words, it is a sort of formal acknowledgement of your knowledge and professionalism in the realm of spiritual practices, especially with other people. Exactly. Is it is it a fair way to say? Uh, yeah, perfect. This way? Okay, thank you. Because I just didn't know, so <laughs> I made it up based on what you have shared, <laughs> have shared with me. Okay, thank you so much, Mela. 
I knew that there was something I forgot to ask you at the, <laughs> at the previous uh, previous episode. Okay, lovely. Okay, well, as I mentioned in my intro, some of the topics we'll be chatting about, and uh, there are quite a few. So let's see how we go. Since we'll be talking about altered state of consciousness, I think that we need to set the foundations by defining what is consciousness. Now, (laughs) the philosophers, scientists, and everyone else have been trying to define consciousness for millennia. So I know I'm pushing the podcast boundaries here a bit, but I still think that we can give it a go. So to set the scene for our existential conversation, let's define consciousness. In my mind, pun intended, consciousness is intelligent energy, aware of its own existence. From its omnipresence, which you can call God, all that is, it can individualize itself to what we call souls and states of awareness. Now, I don't say separate it as these individualized fragments remain connected to the source. All living animated forms from the plants and animal kingdom to humans have souls, and all other forms of consciousness such as minerals, rocks, crystals, stars, planets, elements, have a high level of self-awareness, I think, but not necessarily a soul. So human consciousness is essentially I am. It is our individualized experience of ourself and of all that is not ourself. How would you describe or define consciousness? When thinking about human consciousness, I do very much see it as part of the soul, as us interacting with the energy around us and our consciousness being energy as well, being a vibration. And when you think about non-human consciousness, I also think about that as a vibration because as an animus, I see life, if you want to call it life. You could call it consciousness, whatever you want to, in everything around me, from the crystals and the in the trees and the grass and earth itself and everything. And so that consciousness is an interaction to me. It's it's an inner energy vibrational interaction. Yes. Yeah, so I think we are pretty close, if not even the same in the definition, in our definitions. Would you agree that is an intelligent energy? Absolutely. Yeah, because it is self-aware at some level. At some level, yes. Okay. Now, I would like to propose a simple model as the skeleton on which we can hang the various altered states of consciousness we'll be talking about and their examples as we talk to them. So I propose that we look at the different human brainwaves as their frequencies correspond with the key altered states of consciousness, which is in fact, scientifically proven. I can actually refer our listeners 
to a simple diagram of these brain waves, which is on my website, my main website at quantumliving.com.au, as it is a good visual aid. While I will give a brief overview of those brain waves to set the scene for our conversation. have six types of brain waves under which we experience different states of consciousness. Gamma, beta, alpha, theta, delta, and the flat line, where our consciousness leaves our physical body. The gamma brain waves are between 35 to 100 hertz, or thereabouts, or even higher. It is still difficult to measure gamma with the current technology, and the EEG readings are often off the chart. This state is linked to spiritual visions and ecstasy, out-of-body experience, and receiving information from other realms, such as in psychedelic state of ayahuasca and other plant medicine. Next is beta, between 14 to 35 hertz. It is our waking consciousness, thinking, working, and dealing with all the stress and tribulations of our daily life. The next one is alpha, between 9 to 13 hertz. It is a relaxed, dreamlike state linked to creativity, intuition, insight, and light meditation or mindfulness. The alpha state opens the door to the sixth sense, psychic abilities and phenomena like remote viewing, mediumship, all clairs, cross-dimensional channeling. In this state of consciousness, our perception is multidimensional. We have one foot here and one foot there. Theta is between four to eight hertz. And hertz, by the way, the measure of hertz is cycles per second. So four to eight cycles per second. It is the most intriguing and mysterious state apart from gamma, a twilight zone between sleep and wakefulness. It induces deep meditative state where, as pure consciousness, we can access and reprogram our unconscious mind, receive guidance from the spirit, and heal ourselves and others. Reiki healing, for example, is most effective when done in a theta state, especially in distant healing. We can sense, receive, and move energy as we are fully aligned with the frequency of the quantum field. Then there is delta of 0.5 to 3 hertz frequency. This is a state of deep sleep, restoration, and healing of the mind and body. Consciousness is disconnected from self-awareness, and we have no recollection or awareness of our existence during sleep. It is linked to dreams, which we may or may not remember when we wake up. Below delta, And before death, there is also a curious coma state. It is curious as some people in a coma register theta and even alpha brainwaves. Consciousness is disconnected from the physical body, which is alive but non-reactive. But there are reports that people in a coma can hear sounds and even feel physical pain in that state. Now, when we talk about altered states of consciousness, 
This implies that there is one baseline state which can change or alter in some way, and that we are able to notice it, that it has changed, to be aware of it. I propose that the beta state is the baseline. As we are in beta most of the time, this is our connection with this consensus reality, and we know it very well. From this state, we will notice when our consciousness has shifted to alpha, theta, delta, or gamma. What are your thoughts about this model, Mela? I think that's probably one of the easiest ways to explain it that I've ever heard. So I think you did a wonderful job with that. And oh, I thank you. <laughs> yeah, I agree with everything. And I'm I'm so excited to really dive in and really look at each one of these in a little more detail. I, I especially really love the theta state because I use that a lot in the hypnosis that I do. So I'm really excited about that, that reprogramming of the mind, which is so important. Mm, absolutely. There's one other uh, topic that I would like to include in this conversation, illicit drugs and alcohol. Now, some people will say, oh, this is also an altered state of consciousness. Well, yes and no. Alcohol impairs the brain functions, slowing down the brain waves until we fall asleep, if we overdo. And while in this process, it opens up the door to other dimensions, this can be actually quite dangerous as it comes with impaired judgment and the invitation is indiscriminate. Often entity attachments happen during alcohol intoxication. Similar story is with illicit drugs. They make you high by altering the state of your consciousness, but that's still in an uncontrolled way, which is dangerous. That's why using ayahuasca and other plant medicine, for example, needs to be done in a controlled environment with the help of an experienced shaman healer. And we'll talk about it a bit more. So, what are your thoughts on drugs and alcohol? And what warnings do you feel we need to give our listeners? Because I'm sure you've got a lot of experience in this field. One of the things that I do ask people who come to any of my rituals and ceremonies is that they don't drink or do illicit drugs before we go into ritual and ceremony, because I feel like it's a lot more pure when you go into something like that, hypnosis included, but when you go into something where you're altering your state of consciousness with a more kind of pure consciousness and not having that uncontrollable, because really that's what it is. You're not in control of it. People react to it differently. And I think that it just makes the experience for one thing, you don't remember it a lot of times after it's over because of that, but I think it makes the experience a lot more authentic when you don't have that going on. So when you're thinking about illicit drugs or alcohol, you are not coming into your, your ritual or your ceremony with a pure state, an authentic state, because you are being controlled really by an outside source. So I don't think that it's the best way to go about it. And I completely agree with you that if you're going to have an experience with plant medicine, you should have someone there with you that is going to help guide you. That is experienced because I think a lot of times with an illicit drugs and alcohol, the difference between using plant medicine is that 
a person is, is usually using alcohol or illicit drugs to escape. And when you're using plant medicine, there's that medicine word in there, you're using it to heal or to connect, but you have a disconnect with the alcohol and drugs and you have a connection. And I think that's a huge difference. Learn more about quantum living, a cutting-edge approach to self-empowerment and emotional freedom at the intersection of science and spirituality. It is the master key to understanding how life works and gives you many tools and strategies to change your life experiences. Whether dealing with emotional addictions, relationship issues, self-sabotage blocking the progress and achievement in your life, or any other challenge, Quantum Living is the space you want to be in. My Quantum Living coaching program is as psychological, spiritual and esoteric as it is educational and practical. In the advanced stage of the program, I will take you on a quantum soul journey in a deep theta state to other dimensions and realities, which is an amazing and profound experience. I also invite you to sign up for Quantum Talk, my free monthly newsletter with a blog, updates and special offers. When you do, you will instantly receive a download copy of my book, The Seven Keys to Quantum Communication, absolutely free. To book your free diagnostic session and receive your free book, visit quantumliving.com.au today. You'll be glad you did. Yes, absolutely. And this is the key difference between a controlled process and uncontrolled process. And by control, I mean controlled by yourself or by an experienced person such as a shaman in the case of, of ayahuasca. And this uh, leads us very nicely to the first group of uh, altered state of consciousness that we can experience in a gamma state. So visions, ecstasy, ayahuasca, another plant medicine, out-of-the-body experience. So have you experienced the gamma state or know someone who has? I have definitely experienced the gamma state. And I think that I spontaneously experienced it as a child because I would mm, interesting. project from my body. I would separate from my body and go and take little trips and do things and come back and tell my parents or tell my teachers that I had gone and visited Venice, wow. Italy <laughs> and all these things. And that was part of the thing that made me a very odd wow. child. And I know we're going to talk a little bit of, um, at the end about indigo children. Yeah. I am an indigo child and I have gifts that I did not understand. And so one of those was just that kind of projection of, of my body and going and visiting other places. So I definitely have experienced gamma and had visions and I have never done ayahuasca, but I've been interested in that, but I have had experiences with Delta eight, which is uh, from THC or marijuana mm -hmm. used in a sense of just getting you in that kind of state where you are able to connect more spiritually. 
Have you had any of those experiences? Yes, no, I haven't uh, had any of those experiences yet. I'd love to have an OBE, out-of-body experience, maybe <laughs> maybe one day. But when you had this experience, other than obviously the novelty and, and the excitement and thrill of it, how did it impact on your life? And do you still have those experiences or was it only in your childhood? I still have them and I have had them throughout my life. I think at one point when I thought that they were, we talked about this the last time I was here. I was in a a situation where I was told that those types of things were not good to be doing. And so I tried not to do them anymore. But when you're a child, Mm. you're just doing what comes naturally. And so it didn't affect my life so much until I started being told that that was wrong to do, sinful, and I shouldn't be doing that. And then I was really trying not to do that because I didn't understand why I would just spontaneously do that. Now, in my life as an adult, once I learned to accept myself a little more, I've been able to to not do it so much spontaneously, but choose to go and travel. And it really enriches my life. That's that's really all I can think to describe it is mm. it's really an enrichment to be able to just leave the body and and travel mm. and visit people and see sights that I can't go in my body. And you remembered all this afterwards. If if they're ones that happen that I don't remember, wow. then I don't remember them. <laughs> but I'm sure there are things that I don't remember, but there are a lot that I do remember, yes. And I feel like I get a lot of knowledge and learning from it as well. Yes, I ask because um, I know that some people remember the actual experience of being out of body, but they don't remember what they were seeing or feeling or hearing mm. at the time. They are just aware of the experience itself. So when you when you retain the memory of that experience, the actual content, obviously that that's so much more enriching. A moment ago, you made a very important point, which I'd like to highlight before it slips away in our conversation. Uh, You said that ayahuasca experience and and other experience, similar experiences are very spiritual. In my view, all altered states of consciousness are by their nature spiritual or are linked to some spiritual experience. And speaking of ayahuasca, I have just recently released an episode on ayahuasca titled The Mystery of Ayahuasca, and people might, might may wish to uh, listen to it as well, which was an excellent interview. And the way the ayahuasca experience was explained was that it is, a, in a nutshell, it is a profound state of the emotional, physical, and spiritual cleansing and healing process as we open up to our true self in the context of the creation, which means other realities. And it is so profound that it needs to be done in a controlled environment. Um, as I said earlier, as some people can't cope with seeing and talking to strange beings who are very real and experiencing those are the realities that they are unprepared for, that they have no language for. So that's why it is very profoundly spiritual experience. And at this level, it is best 
to be controlled. Obviously, when you have an OBE or when you have a spiritual ecstasy or spiritual vision, that's somewhat different because it, it happens spontaneously. But things like an ayahuasca experience or using plant medicine is an induced process or experience, if you like. And so it needs to be taken care of very carefully. Any final thoughts on the gamma state? No, I don't think so. Okay. Let's move on to alpha, psychic abilities, channeling. I just would like to throw it open to you, Mela, because you've got a lot of experience in this area. So could you talk to the spiritual and psychic gifts? What's the difference? What are they? How can we identify them? And just over to you. This is one of my favorite topics to talk about because I believe that every person is gifted with spiritual gifts. And I like to divide them the way I was taught is I divide them into three categories. You have gifts of knowing, gifts of communication, Mm -hmm. and gifts of community. And it flows like that because your gifts of knowing then need to be communicated in some way. And I believe that what makes it a spiritual gift and not just a talent is that you use it in some way for your community. So I really like having that division. The clairs are part of the gifts of knowing, and they come into this uh, this alpha state, these beautiful spiritual psychic gifts that people may have, and you may not even know it. And so do you want me to talk about some of the different Claire? Yes, yes, please. Yeah, if you can give us give us an overview. Yeah. Absolutely. So Claire audience, if you think of Claire as meaning clear, um, audience is clear hearing. So you're hearing sounds, whether with your, it sounds like from your actual ears or you're just hearing it inside your head, but it's it's manifesting as sounds without the aid of your physical ear. So it's just coming from somewhere. So when you meditate, you can ask yourself, where does my intuition or knowing come from? Is there sound? Is there vibration? Are are there audible words? If so, perhaps you have clairaudience. Mm -hmm. And then claircognizance is one that I run into a lot. That's clear knowing you just know something. Mm. (laughs) You don't have any evidence. You don't hear anything. You don't see it. You don't feel it. You just know. So if you have ever said, I just know when someone said, how do you know that? Uh, Then you might have claircognizance. I feel like you have claircognizance, Anna. Is that one of your gifts? Yes, I definitely Mm. do. I just know things and people ask, how do you know this? Well, I don't know. I just know it's, That's right. I mean, from my intuition, I know. (laughs) Yeah, you just know it. And then Claire empathy is also just called being an empath. And that's one of my gifts. Sometimes when I walk into a place, I feel the emotions from the people or the place itself or from animals. So this is clear emotion. So this one is not very, very often talked about. No, and people don't even really know that it's one of the clairs. The, the, it's not one of the popular clairs. Mm. Um, but I think that being an empath 
is something that needs to be talked about more because I meet so many unprotected impasse and that creates so much pain and illness and just detrimental things in people's lives. So this is definitely a gift. A lot of people feel it's a curse, but it's actually a gift. You can learn to protect yourself and use it to actually help other people, to heal yourself, to heal others, because Mm -hmm. being able to sense other people's emotions is actually a beautiful gift. Which is energy. Which is energy. Absolutely. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So how, how can we, how can empaths protect themselves? One of the best ways that, that we can protect ourselves is to set boundaries with other people who are draining Mm -hmm. us because we're going to be very, uh, very much affected by psychic vampires and just toxic people and situations. And so if we know that going to a certain place drains us, then we don't go to that place if if at all possible. We don't answer that phone call of the toxic Mm -hmm. person. We cut people out of our life if we need to. That's the number one, the top thing I will talk to empaths about. And I meet an unprotected empath probably at least once a week who had no idea. But when I start talking about it, they say, yes, this is me. Also things like, I really like black crystals, like black tourmaline and jet. Mm -hmm. I like to have those on my body because they will absorb negative energy and emotions and also just knowledge about being an empath. Because if you are walking into a situation or coming home and you're feeling an emotion and you cannot figure out why you're feeling that emotion. Let's say you're feeling angry, but you Mm. have no reason to be angry. Well, maybe the store you just went to or the traffic you were just in, maybe you have absorbed anger from other people. And so just having that knowledge and saying, okay, wait a minute, is this mine or is this someone else's? And that is such a powerful protection is to have that knowledge. Mm, Absolutely. So what's the next Claire? The next Claire is Claire Gustin's or clear tasting. Mm. This is an interesting one because you are tasting things from the spirit world or the uh, quantum world that is not actually there. So a lot of times it's accompanied by clear olfaction or sometimes called clear alliance, and that's the clear scent or clear smelling. Mm. So this would be maybe walking into an old house and you taste chocolate chip cookies and maybe even you smell chocolate chip cookies. There's no cookies being mm. baked, but maybe the lady, the grandmother that lived there many years ago used to make chocolate chip cookies. And that's the imprint that has been left behind. Mm. And so those are also not talked about a lot, but a lot of people have them of tasting something that's not actually there or smelling something that's not actually there. What about those? Have you ever had experience with smelling or tasting? Yes, not so much with tasting, but with smelling. I sometimes can smell cigarette smoke while it's not there, or even a pipe, which is interesting. But I've never experienced, what do you call it again? Gustatory? Claire Gustans. Claire Gustans. Yeah, I've never actually Mm -hmm. heard of this one. Okay. Or perhaps an unusual perfume, which again, was not supposed to be there and wasn't Mm -hmm. there in a physical sense. Right. I've often located 
entities in people's homes because I've smelled the perfume mm. or I've smelled the cigarette smoke. So I've, I've done that as well. In fact, I had an experience with someone that I was with who died and later on in my house, they were a smoker and I smelled the smoke and I was cooking and I just turned and said, there's no smoking in my house. So you're going to have to take that to the back porch. And immediately the cigarette smell went away. Oh, really? <laughs> <laughs> so the 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 spirit obliged. It did. So, yeah, I'm out of here. <laughs> <laughs> He said, "I'll I'll step outside." Yeah. <laughs> oh, that was very kind of them. <laughs> oh, yeah. oh, oh, that's a good one. <laughs> Okay, what's next? And there's a few more. So we have clairsentience, and this is clear mm -hmm. sensing. So this is, you're not touching it. That's a different one, but you are sensing or feeling information from objects or locations, maybe people mm. without any kind of physical methods. It's not the same as clear empathy, though, because not all feelings are emotions. You might feel that violence took place in a in somewhere or that yeah. someone was abused. I've felt that before when I've gone into a home. I've just felt that somebody, a child, was abused in this space. So if it's mm. not always an emotion, then you probably have clairsentience rather than clair empathy. Yeah. And then the clair tangency is sometimes called psychometry. And that's where you have clear touching. You actually touch an object, you touch uh, the palms of someone's hands, and you get information from that. Mm. And then the last one is clairvoyance, which is one of my gifts as mm -hmm. well. And that's clear vision or clear seeing. And you are reaching into this other vibrational frequency and perceiving really in your mind's eye something that does not exist in the physical realm. So it's it's really not limited by space or time. It's not limited by your physical eyes. And that is when you're actually just having these visions going on. Mm. So what do you call, because I get this quite often, in fact, what do you call when you can sense as if someone or something was physically touching you but there is no one and nothing there but you you can swear that someone is touching you i would say that would be clairsentience that would be sensing so it could be a sensing of you feeling them touch you you don't have to touch anything but you feel that that presence is there touching you so i would define that as clairsentience mm. i can feel it quite often and i guess That's my beloved cat who passed mm -hmm. away oh, several years ago now. She was with me for 20 years, believe it or not. Wow. She was my absolutely beloved. Um, she was like my baby. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> And I can quite often feel her touch. She used to rub against my legs. You know, I look down, there is nothing there, but I can feel and I know that it's her just showing me her presence Yeah, it's just, and I'm getting chills now. 
but it it is a very physical sensation that she's touching my legs and then say when I'm doing something and she's you know disturbing me I said well just go away I'm busy now don't don't bother me now I'll talk to you later <laughs> and then then she goes away and then she comes back which is yeah, which is lovely. Mm. And there's so many different gifts. I mean, I teach about over 40 different spiritual gifts, so they're not all clairs. Wow. But if you think of the okay. clairs as your means of processing intuition. I like which it. Flows into all the other like gifts. That. So these these all these clairs and gifts go into things like energy reading or, or feeling energy or the ability to do pendulum dowsing or with dowsing rods and faith. That's, that's a spiritual gift as well. Mediumship channeling all these types of things. You have to have a way of processing the intuition and processing the information that's coming to you in some way. And so a medium who has the gift of clairaudience is going to hear the spirits talk to them, but a clairvoyant is going to see the things going on. Mm. So it's, it's all your intuition processing. Yeah. I really love this description, intuition processing way of method. I really, really love it. What do you think about remote viewing? Remote viewing is one of my gifts. So (laughs) I love to talk about it. Okay. I think that it is, it's one that is very difficult for people to understand. And I don't run into it as often as I do with other gifts, but I think that it's one that you can actually teach yourself or have someone teach you how to do, because I saw some sort of program about how the military was using remote viewing. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. And teaching these people how to do that mm-hmm. to, to find where to send troops, how to find yeah. kidnapped people. So this is something that's being used mm-hmm. that isn't really being talked about, but you can learn how to do that. My biggest experience that I like to talk about with remote viewing, which is when you are, when you're seeing a situation going on in real time, at least that's my experience in real time, but you're not there. So it's very similar to the out of body experience, except I'm not actually there. I'm just projecting. Maybe we're projecting our consciousness. I'm not sure, but we're kind of projecting our, our eyes to see. And I did this when my parents were traveling in Colorado in their camper. I wanted to check on them. I think it's good to mention that when you're using something like remote viewing, you have to think about your ethics because you don't want to just mm-hmm. pop into anybody's room and look at what they're doing. I think it, I, I feel like that's unethical. Into their bedroom. <laughs> yeah, into their bedroom or just, you know, getting into their privacy. I think yeah. that ethics have to come into play with all spiritual yeah. gifts. But that's yeah. another topic that I could go on about. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah. But I and and, I, and we talked about it on the last on the previous episode. Yeah, so. I like to talk about yeah, that. Yeah, we talk about it quite ex- extensively. But when I went to check on my parents just to make sure they were all right, I saw them laying in their bed in the camper. My sister was there with her son. I saw their dog, but I saw this American flag kind of superimposed over them. And so the next morning, I called and I said, "Did, did y'all buy?" 
an American flag to put in your little kitchen? Do you have a towel that has an American flag that I didn't know about? And they said, no, we have nothing with American flag on it. Well, then she called me back about an hour or so later because they had stepped outside. They had pulled into their camping spot very late at night and they didn't realize they had parked under a massive American (laughs) flag. Ah. And so that is the Amer- that's the American flag that I saw kind of yeah. superimposed. It was it was big enough to be oh in- entirely over their little camper. So you even got the location, like pinpointed the location where they were. Yeah, the flag yes. Is. And I I saw them ah. sleeping. And so that's what remote viewing is. Is that's why I say it's real time. You're peeking in, and you really have to watch your ethics with that. So what's the difference between remote viewing, clairvoyance? And OBE, is it a combination of clairvoyance and OBE, out-of-body experience? I would say that it is. So if you think about clairvoyance as the way I process my intuition, so it's like the cone where that intuition comes in. I'm using my clairvoyance to see. I'm actually seeing something and Mm -hmm. I am traveling. So I think it is a combination of both of those Mm. things. I think that's a great way of putting it. Mm. Interesting. I'm planning to learn remote viewing, mm. which can be very, very, very useful. Oh, yes. Ethically, obviously. <laughs> Absolutely. Do you believe that we can project both to the future and to the past or only to the future or, or the current or the present time? I'm not actually sure about that. I don't I don't know if in my own way of thinking I would call it remote viewing if I'm going to the past or the um, future, but I'm not sure what I would call that because for me, remote viewing is in the present timeline. What do you think about that? Well, I would think that if remote viewing is a combination of clairvoyance and and OBE, clairvoyance can give you information from the future. Say when you have a psychic reading mm-hmm. uh, with a, a clairvoyant, they can project into the future and they can they can tell you what they can see in your energy field say within the next 6 months or 12 months or some at some point in the future so uh, but they don't necessarily can go into that event they can just as i understand they mm. can just see it and then when you use obi when you actually project that's when you're doing proper remote viewing now I have read and heard that it is possible to project into the future and the past. To what extent that is true or how easily this can be accomplished, I don't know. In principle or in theory, I should say, they're saying that, yes, it is possible. Perhaps this is the next level of remote viewing. So the first level is to be able to project in real time, maybe the next level is to project into the future or the past. Mm. I don't know, or maybe to a parallel universe. <laughs> so interesting to think about. Yeah. So have you learned, have you done a course on remote viewing? How did you learn? I did not do a course on it. I think that it was one of those things along with the out-of-body experiences that I was doing as a child. So I think some of the times that I was actually traveling, mm. it was it wasn't always my astral body. It was just that I was watching other people. And that sounds really creepy, (laughs) but I was a child. 
And, and so maybe, okay. <laughs> you know, when you think back and, and I don't remember everything, maybe some of the times I was just remote viewing, maybe some of the times my astral mm. body was actually there, but I did not necessarily have to teach myself. I just knew how to do it. It was just one of my innate gifts. Yeah. It just comes naturally and very easily. Okay, let's move on to the next level of altered consciousness, and that's the theta state. And I know it's your favorite and it's my favorite (laughs) because it is so mysterious and and I've got um, quite a bit of experience with it. So the theta state is linked to deep meditation, access to the unconscious mind, where you can do reprogramming, spirit guidance, healing, and hypnotic trance. When we're speaking about meditation, this is probably the most common practice of an altered state of consciousness, I would, I would say. It starts in the alpha state, which is linked to light meditation, walking meditation, daydreaming, and mindfulness, and then goes down to the theta state. What is your experience with meditation? Part of being a hedge witch, which I think I might have talked about last time, is doing the journeys, the path working, which is a very deep meditation. So meditation and self-created hypnotic states are integral to my spiritual practice. That's where I can go and do magical workings, even though I do that in my current life as well, in my physical life. I will go into this the the other world. I I really do feel like I have one foot at all times in the physical world and one in mm. the spirit world. I use that to describe myself a lot because I lose track of time. I always have lost track of time. I can go a week and talk to someone and, and I will think that I just talked to them yesterday. <laughs> so I kind of live a little bit in this theta state and, and, and meditative state, but I also see Uh how it, how it's so useful to do that reprogramming that you mentioned before um, in the hypnosis and in guided meditations, just a powerful state of mind, a powerful state of consciousness. Would you like to learn how to meditate in Theta, the optimum frequency you can have in a meditative state? By popular demand, I have created an instructional Theta meditation package containing a guided audio meditation and an introduction booklet. It is a unique, one-of-a-kind resource that will help you achieve and maintain the elusive Theta state throughout your meditation and will give you the important background information about Theta Meditation and this process. I also offer one-on-one Theta Meditation online teaching sessions with customized guidance and support, a perfect way to quickly learn the Theta process. For more details, please go to the store on my website at quantumliving.com.au. Absolutely. I absolutely love Theta State. I uh, I teach Theta Meditation, actually. Now, we go through the Theta State naturally twice every day when we wake up and when we 
are going to sleep because this is that that phase between alpha and delta, so between awakened state and the sleep. Because I love it so much and I think it's really useful, I just would like to to give people a bit more information about it. And in fact, I have produced an instructional theta meditation package where I describe it much more comprehensively. So if anyone is interested, they can access it on my main website, quantumliving.com.au. Now, the theta frequency is aligned with the frequency of the quantum field, I believe, and I have seen some evidence of it, because its frequency between 4 and 8 hertz is very special. For example, the heartbeat of the Earth, known as Schumann resonance, is pulsating at the frequency of 7.83 hertz. So that's very close to 8 hertz. Human DNA is said to pulsate at 8 cycles per second, which is 8 hertz, during replication. Quantum physics also tells us that electrons oscillate, meaning they appear and disappear, which I find fascinating, between this and other dimensions, 7.8 times per second, which is 7.8 hertz, which we obviously can't notice, but if we could stretch the time or slow it down so that we could observe, we are actually appearing and disappearing 7.8 times every second. Not all the cells and atoms and electrons at the same time, If that happens, we are talking about a different phenomenon. And I believe that there are people who can do it when they can disappear in one location and appear in another location. But coming back to theta, healers slow down their brain waves. And again, that has been tested scientifically to eight hertz and entrain their patients' brain waves to the same frequency to allow the healing. That's why I mentioned earlier on that. A Reiki healing, for example, is most effective when you when you do it in a theta state, when the healer is in a theta state. The pineal gland, which is our door to divinity, pulsates at 8 hertz. And this is, for those of you who have experienced it, <laughs> I can only describe the theta state as the most delicious state of being. You have no sense of your physical body. You are pure consciousness, unlimited. And it feels so good that you don't want to get out of it. You want to stay there forever. It feels so good. That's why the first word that came to my mind is delicious. You just want to stay there. But you obviously do come out of it when you, when you want it. In a theta state, you can walk on red-hot coals without pain or blisters. You are in a hypnotic trance and highly impressionable. That's why it is used in hypnotherapy and in self-hypnosis. Your creativity, intuition, extrasensory perception, and psychic abilities are significantly heightened. So while you did have or you do have these extra abilities in the alpha, when you slip down to theta, they become much more pronounced because you are at a much deeper level. You are aligned with the frequency of the quantum field. You have access to your unconscious mind where you can reprogram your bad habits, (laughs) 
You can heal yourself as well. You have access to your spirit guides through the pineal gland, which becomes activated. And now the pineal gland is a is a separate topic altogether. You know, another separate <laughs> separate episode. It's such a huge topic, but I think it's worth mentioning. And the theta state is is the meditative state of the yogis and the Buddhist monks. It is the most efficient and effective state of consciousness for meditation. And interestingly, the gamma state often happens spontaneously from the theta. So even when you look, uh, say, at the, the diagram of the brainwaves I have on my website, which shows the gamma brainwaves are at the top because they are of the highest frequency and then all the others go down. There is a link between theta going all the way to the gamma state because it can happen spontaneously. So, for example, when you are meditating in theta, it, you can quite often get a spontaneous shift to gamma. And, I've, and I have observed that. I haven't experienced myself, but I have witnessed that, if I can put it this way, it was a meditating group. So it can often happen spontaneously. That's why the theta state is so precious because it opens so many doors for you. What is your experience with theta? Or have you had any particular case studies maybe with your clients? Well, the majority of the healing is definitely going to take place in this theta state. And it is what, as a hypnotherapist, I'm trying to get my client to go into, especially if I'm, do, if I'm doing a past life regression, because you have to go as get them as deep as possible to access those Akashic records and to, they're altering their consciousness in order to experience a life lived in the past, or if you're looking at a life in the future as well. So you're going into this. Yes. Yeah, so my, my hypnotherapy clients are using this during their past life regression, and it's my job to relax them. And you, you do meditation and uh, you are experienced in this. So you, you know what I'm talking about, I think, as far as just using your voice, using, music and the environment to get yourself in as relaxed state as possible so that you can access those higher dimensions, the Akashic records, your past lives. And uh, there's one experience that I actually had when I was in a sweat lodge. So that's another place that you can have an altered consciousness is going into the sweat lodge. Okay. We have the, the, the heat going on you're in this dark almost like womb of the earth and it's it's very dark but i've closed my eyes anyway and i am visiting the grandmothers she's guiding us all to go and visit with our grandmothers and grandmothers doesn't necessarily mean your grandmother but all the grandmothers in your ancestral line and so mm-hmm. as i am led through the woods the woods begin to change and I'm seeing this in full color as if I'm right there and the woods change to the different seasons. So I walk through spring and summer and autumn and the leaves are falling and then I'm in snow and I get to this stone seat where there's a woman sitting there and her back is to me and she has this cloak that is made of honey 
that's actually dripping and bees. (laughs) And she, and I'm seeing all of this as if I am actually there and she turns (sighs) around and it's my, it's my face when she takes off her mask. And it was so incredible and such a deep healing experience for me. And that was another place being in that Mm. sweat lodge that I I didn't take any type of plant medicine. It was simply Mm. the act of going into this dark space and being led into this guided meditation and then complete silence in the dark. And that's where I went. And that was that that theta state. Yes, wonderful. And I also I have heard that this could be because of the uh, deprivation of your five senses Makes because sense. of darkness and environment. And for example, people who go to to have a I don't know what what it's called exactly, like a salt water tank experience. Mm-hmm. You go into a salt water tank, and because you are floating. So you have no body sensation and it's, there's, it's dark, there is no sound, no light. And people report similar experiences because of no inputs through their main five senses. But the, the very fact that you are so spiritually open and you are so spiritually engaged, I think, plays also a big part in that you are uh, susceptible and receptive to such experiences, while some people may not be necessarily. I am now. I think it's interesting that you mentioned the pineal gland, and I know that we're not going to talk a lot about that because we could really go into detail, but I'm allergic to fluoride. And so I avoid it at all costs. I don't buy, buy toothpaste with fluoride. I try not to drink city water. I'm on a well. And fluoride plays into calcifying your pineal gland. So perhaps part of why I am open yes. is because I'm allergic to fluoride. Good on you. I've discovered that truth about fluoride many years ago. And from that point on, I stopped drinking tap water. So even for tea or coffee, I'll, I use spring water. I threw out all the regular toothpaste. I never use toothpaste with fluoride. Only natural. In fact, I make my own toothpaste because yes, you are one hundred percent correct. And the question is, why most people are being given fluoride treatment when they go to the dentist? I never ever accepted, and I say straight away, please do not put anything with fluoride in my mouth ever. So no tap water, no dentist treatment, no toothpaste. And I do believe that it does help because, yes, in the first how many years of your life when you have been ingesting all those substances that were depositing fluoride and basically calcifying your pineal gland, it will take some time for this calcification to go away so that your pineal gland can open and, and be properly activated. But you are absolutely spot on. So your allergy has actually helped you. (laughs) 
It has. And it's interesting because I took, I've had allergies my whole life, but it wasn't until I was an adult that I did the blood allergy test. And that's the blood test that I did absolutely said without a doubt that I had an extreme sensitivity and allergy to fluoride. Mm. And um, I don't know. That's ve- it's very interesting. So it was a blessing in disguise it's, for you. Absolutely. Yeah. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Let's move on to Delta state of consciousness, which is sleep and dreams. My key interest and question about Delta and sleep is where does our consciousness go? Where are we when we are asleep? Because as I said earlier on, our consciousness disconnects from our self-awareness. And other than dreams, which we may or may not remember, we have no recollection of our existence while asleep. So my question is, Where does our consciousness go? I think that we can go anywhere we want in our dreams. I think it's the past, the present, the future. I think it's alternate timelines. I think we're visiting deceased loved ones and traveling the universe. What do you think about about where we go? Yes. Well, all the above, I called my theory, we are avatars. Okay, if you've seen the movie Avatar, I believe that while we are asleep in this consensus reality in this lifetime, our consciousness goes, as you said, wherever it wants to go, to live other lives, to have different experiences, to go to spiritual schools on in other dimensions, to visit loved ones who've passed away. So we, I believe that our consciousness is accessing all those other levels, all those realities and dimensions, and does whatever it wants to do, and then is unfortunately thrown back into our physical body when the alarm (laughs) goes off and we say, six o'clock, I need to get up. (laughs) And our soul says, okay, not again in this heavy body while I can fly. (laughs) (laughs) Yes, so, so it is still very mysterious. And what is particularly interesting about sleep or the Delta state is that unlike all the other states, we cannot go without it for a very long time. I mean, we have to sleep. I believe that the longest time a person didn't sleep was, well, on average, it's about probably 72 hours or so. I think under lab conditions, they can extend it to to maybe several days. But the longer we are deprived of sleep, the more our brain is impaired to the point of we basically just drop, not dead, but we, we drop unconscious. We cannot prevent sleep, which means that we do need it. And I think it's not only because it is the time of rest and restoration of our physical body, which is very important. But I've read somewhere, and in fact, I was given an insight that one of the reasons we must sleep is that our consciousness, our soul needs to have a break from this difficult, hard, physical life and living. And it just wants to do whatever it wants to do and can do without any restrictions and limitations. 
What are your thoughts on that? I think part of what we do when we sleep, we meant, you know, you mentioned healing, uh, and you mentioned, I think that it makes perfect sense that our consciousness, our soul is getting a break as well. I know that dreams are also where we can work through problems that are going on in our lives. That's where dreams, dreams are very often us working through problems, solving problems, learning things. And so it's almost like going to school. When we sleep, it's almost like a school or a support system counseling from our higher self. So all these things are going on. So I think that it's it's really important to remember that sleep is not just resting our body and, and resting our soul. It's mm-hmm. also a time for us to prepare for the next day, prepare for what's going on in our lives. And I think it's really interesting this, we've been talking about the theta state. And you mentioned that kind of twilight period yeah. of just when you wake up and just when you fall asleep, you can actually harness that. If you have a problem that you're really trying to get over, or if you want to go visit a certain deceased loved one, or let's say you've never had the chance to go visit the pyramids. And so as you kind of harness, as you're falling asleep and you get to that theta state, just start setting that intention, even saying it in your mind, I want to go visit the pyramids, or I want to visit my grandmother, Marie. And that kind of incubates, they call it incubating a dream. And you can use the theta state to actually pinpoint where you go or what you're going to do in that dream state. I think that uh, our sleep, we're sleeping for years and years and years of our lives. So we might as well use it. Do it well. <laughs> as, as much as possible, yeah. <laughs> Absolutely. And that's where we leave our conversation with Mela for now. We will continue it on the next episode of Quantum Living, Altered States of Consciousness, Part 2. Picking up from what I call the sixth state of consciousness, when we cross over to the other side. And we'll be talking about so much more. You don't want to miss it. So stay tuned. That's all for today, folks. If you enjoyed the show, please post a review on Apple Podcasts to encourage others to listen to it and lift the spirit across the world and the universe. For the show notes and contact details, please go to my Quantum Living Podcast on podpage.com. I'm your host, Anna Anderson. Thank you for listening. I look forward to connecting with you on the next episode of Quantum Living. Until then, be well.